All right, welcome to this Twitch stream on August, apparently August 28th. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. We're a couple disabled guys passionate about all things disability. I'm Ricky, your local quadriplegic. With me as always is Bill. What's going on? He may not, wait, shit. The man with weak <laughs> muscles but strong heart. And last but not least, we have John. Yo. I'm here. I'm existing. He may not be able to see, but it's always a sight for our sore eyes. And together we make up real life problems. A podcast by the disabled for the disabled. And I guess the abled body too. They're allowed. I wonder if I should take out that line because who was it last week in the chat? They're like, I'm not disabled. Can I still watch? (laughs) They might become after watching though. I, I I think we may at least we should change it. Otherwise, we'll keep getting that running joke. Or we could just let that be our running joke. I mean, just let yeah. it be. An option. Every everyone that joins us well. ends up becoming disabled somehow. It's like yeah. it's like by transference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Argron in the chat already says hello in cat memes. Hello, Argron. That's actually his emote. It's emote. What's an emote? You know, like the, uh, like, the, you basically have emotes for, like, when you become an affiliate You on Twitch, you basically get, like, little icons you can make that basically represent your stream that people so can use. His stream is represented by cats saying hello. Apparently, that's one of them. Mine is, like, a Fallout guy um, and my dog. And one of them is my face, too, actually. This one's mine. No, I, I, didn't, I hadn't seen that one. I had not seen yes, that Yes, that is Braille. That is the word hype written in Braille as my emote, my Twitch emote. I like how it kind of looks like Tetris symbols, too. Huh, well, you look at that. It looks didn't neat. know I could read Braille with my eyes. Well, anyways, how's everyone doing this week? I'm trying to feel it. it. Can you touch in the screen? It's like, I'm trying to touch the screen. It's not working. What the hell? (laughs) Oh, geez. (laughs) Welcome to Wheel Life Problems. We're a bunch of dicks. Uh... The two people in the chat, which is probably just me and John. And myself. Well, I don't know if yeah. I count. I don't count. How are but. you doing this week, guys? I noticed you're you went without the hat today, Bill. Yeah, well, I don't know. I've been doing that a lot because during the summer it gets severely hot down here sometimes. Well, okay. It gets cold in some areas, but this area has been getting like really warm here of late because well, since getting the other computer and the back of that computer is kind of facing towards me. Like oh, all... so you're getting all that exhaust? Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I need to get a, like, I I have a portable fan. I have like this little fan that runs off of uh, runs off of D batteries. Um, it's funny how that ended up actually. We ended up actually getting that. It was like uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of uh, Hatteras, but it's an island in North Carolina. You have mm-hmm. to take like a ferry to get there. Well, we. <laughs> It was a really hot day, and we didn't have any fans with us, so it was like, it was really miserable. Like, I couldn't get out of the car easily, 
because my chair is like strapped down, right? And when you get the cars in there, they're they're locked in. So I was stuck in the car and we had to like open up windows and stuff, but it still wasn't good enough. And I was like, I was so freaking hot. And my mom had to find like randomly found a fan on Hatteras somehow. And that's Jeez. how the, that's how that fan came into existence or was purchased or whatever. But it's just this little portable fan. Nice. Yeah, dealing with heat sucks. Oh, yeah. It does. Sure. But I'd rather deal with heat. Well, no, I'd rather deal with cold than heat, to be honest. No, you're crazy. I'd rather deal with heat than cold, I think. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm well, Ricky on that one. Well, my logic is, right? Okay, hear me out on this one. In cold right, weather, you can always... logic you can bring. In cold weather, you can always add more layers to stay True. warm. True. But eventually, in the heat, it gets to a point where you run out of stuff that you can legally take off. That's the logic everyone always brings to the table to that argument. And even still, I'm just like, no, I, I fucking hate being cold. I don't care. I just... Yeah, I despise <laughs> being cold. Like, 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 everyone has brought that exact same argument, and every single time, I'm like, I don't care. Fuck being cold. Being cold sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I will agree. It does. But that's why you just put more clothes on. But you have to wear more clothes. I'd rather be naked and free and let everything hang out and just like relax. Like where, like for me, my, my muscles are weak. If I put on more clothes, it makes it harder for me to move. And then if I go to somewhere hot, I have to like take it on and off, on and off. And I, and that requires assist, assistance from other people. It's just, it's too much of a pain in the ass being cold. <laughs> but that's a fair point too. That's a fair argument as well. It is. Yeah. It is an inconvenient thing. It is very inconvenient. For sure. Then, but the heat also sucks too because I can't sweat. And so. Oh, damn. Yeah. So I overheat really easily. So kind of, I was like in the same boat with you. Uh, when I went to Lake Anna the other week, I forgot. I have this little mist bottle that just sprays really fine. Oh, mist yeah. I, yeah. I call Those that a nice. little sweat in the bottle. I forgot that. And so we were on the boat. And my friends just had to keep constantly pouring water on my on my head to keep me cool, and it was fucking miserable, man. Oh, I have God. the exact opposite problem. I have overactive sweat glands. Oh God! Really? Yeah. It was constantly dripping. No, it, like it. It could be seventy degrees outside, nice and comfortable, right? And I start exerting myself. I start sweating like a waterfall. And then he's sweating bullets. Yeah. I have another friend who's just like that too. Or we went to Shenandoah last week and I was making fun of him the entire time because we were in an AC cooled car. The, the AC was set to like 16 or 70. We stopped to go to the bathroom and he's like dripping sweat. And we're like, what the fuck, dude? We're in the AC. Why are you, why are you sweating the so fuck? much? Uh, mm -hmm. It's just. It's just fun. If, if if I'm exerting myself, it doesn't matter what temperature it is outside. My body's got to cool off. It overheats fairly easily. That's, Damn, that stinks, man. It's annoying. Put it that way. That's it's kind right. of funny though, yeah. you know. I, I used to walk to school, walk to college, and winter times down here in Texas. Used to walk to college and get there, and I'm pouring down sweat from my forehead, and people are like. Chow. Chow. What do you mean by chow? How? Thanks, turtle. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, how? 
Yeah. How? How are you sweating? It's 45 degrees outside. I well, power walked all the way here. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You shouldn't be sweating. Getting them glutes working. Ooh, we have some more people <laughs> joining us in the chat right in the middle Indeed. of our conversation. Sweating. Your mom. Hello, yes. everyone. All right. Well, I didn't get to you, John, yet. How are you today? I asked Bill, and then we started talking about sweating like a pig and being hot. How are you today? How are you this week? What's new? Well, I found a game called Core Defense. It's like uh, Tower Defense meets Slay the Spire, and it's pretty addictive. It's one of those games that I can just zone my brain out to while I listen to YouTube videos. Oh, there you go. Give my body something to do. What do you listen to on YouTube? Are you talking about like music, or do you just like listen to people like do random shit? Uh, no, actually, I don't. I don't watch videos that I would consider stupid comedy. I don't enjoy stupid comedy. Right. I prefer more um, informational videos. I can't say they're all educational, but they're all informational. They provide information either way. Yes. Give us an example. Inform me. Yes. So one of my favorite channels to listen to is called Did You Know Gaming? They provide a lot of... Random useless gaming trivia that you'll never actually need to know, but it's always fun to know. Yeah. Like, did did you know that there are actually a couple of things in science that derive their names from Pokemon? Like what? I forget which exactly. I'll have to look hey. up the, the videos on it, but... Yeah. Yeah, it, it's there. It's real. Huh. Interesting. I like to... This is quite a topic change from last week when last week we were talking about fucking insects. So anyone oh, in the yeah. chat, if you're interested in sex, go find last week's video. But still, this is a good change of pace. But I too like to watch informational stuff. I, I watch this channel, Kurtzigig, or in a nutshell, a lot. It goes over oh, a lot. yes, that's a, that's a good channel. What is it? Mm -hmm. What does he do? Yeah, he just goes over a bunch of scientific topics and stuff, and it's cool. Not just science, sometimes economics, sometimes governmental. Philosophical. Huh. Just, yeah. They try to be unbiased as possible in their presentation of data and stuff, and it's it's just good good learnings. What's the name of the channel? And unlike many other channels, uh, something wait, like that. Wait, what What was it again, Ricky? Kurtzigig, in a nutshell. Kurtzigig? It's yeah, it difficult pr to pronounce... But if you type in in a nutshell, you'll find it. Yeah. Okay. Um, one other thing I like about that channel is they are not afraid to go back and revisit topics when they find through further research that they were wrong. Yeah. You too. That's yeah, they let cool. out a That's whole video thing. like going out about their entire research process was like, yeah, we were wrong on that. So here you go. Here's the correct info. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, or, oops, we took too many biased sources on this video. Here's some si some sources from the other side of the coin. Right. That's what I like about Enjoy. it. Enjoy. I'm glad we agree on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyone in the chat, how are you this week? What's yeah, the news last week? What's up? Tell me. Yeah. going on? I know there's someone in there who's who, who can give a response. Someone just dabbed with a cat. You're mangue. Your mom gay. Your mom gay. Your mom. Oh. <laughs> Your mom gay. No. 
Nope, and we just lost someone. Aw. All right, Oh, shit. <laughs> I moved off of the thing. <laughs> I was looking at the stream. No. It just went to a different scene all of a sudden. And I brought oh. it back. Um, it's okay. It's not like we're. Not like we're anything interesting, anyways. Um. Oh God! What did I just do? What were, you, what were you trying to do? I accidentally just full screened the wrong, full screen the wrong window. He doesn't know what he's doing over there. Oh uh, well, what's new with me this week? Oh, I started class. Yeah. Well, what class or what class is? I guess or whatever. Well, this week started physics, and then in three weeks, my Spanish class will start back up. But now I'm in physics. Is this all online or in person or what? All online. Okay. I know a lot of uh, college professors have been starting to teach their classes over Twitch. Really? Yeah. How would that work? Yeah, it seems like there'd be a, I, a delay. I, I don't quite know. It's more lecture-based. Like, they give lectures over Twitch. Um, Dusty Monk actually came into my stream Wednesday and pointed out that he's been watching a lot of it, so... Because I know, I mean, for me, like, all my lectures and everything are on Zoom, which is kind of the same thing. Someone listening to someone talking and there's a chat feature. Yeah. But the thing with Zoom is, you know, you can talk or you can tie it or you can be on camera as well too so everyone else can see but twitch it's only like who's ever geo yeah it's all you on so that's interesting yeah all right well speaking of twitch and stuff i guess we should get on to one of the topics we were talking about talking about is uh the kind of stuff we've been watching and i mentioned last week that i've been watching high score which i finished which I have not finished yet, but I have watched a decent amount of it. Probably I marathoned it. Probably have Mar two, two or three yeah. more episodes, maybe two episodes, I think. But I've watched, I, I've been enjoying it when I have watched it. It's just I got into reading. <laughs> been I reading marathoned it, like nice. straight up, oh, five or six or however many episodes they've got up right now. Did you nice. marathon it just to get through it or did you marathon it because you were so enthralled by it? More to get through it, because most of the information they were talking about is stuff that I already knew. Yeah, that's what I noticed with some of it. It's like common, super common stuff. Maybe for you guys, I didn't know any of that shit. Well, I had read a whole book on on that, like, you know, um, but I did think it was interesting about how, in that one they talked about Ultra Beast, right? No, that was a different. That was a different thing I watched. Yeah, that was that, different. That was a different YouTube video. I mean, they basically just went over the births of like game concepts in certain games and like the pr game practices and stuff. Like Space Invaders was the first one they really like went into. Actually, the most I learned from that was more about um, the modification boards and how Miss Pac-Man came about. Oh, I knew yeah. how it happened. I knew how it happened, but it was actually cool to actually get to see on camera the dude that 
came up with the concept of the modification boards. Yeah, mm -hmm. which ultimately, though, with that, though, it, it, it does show you how, you know, that definitely was made less for the... It definitely was not made with a gamer in mind. I mean, it may be a little bit, but it was more about making money is the way that I got it. Because they were like, as an operator, you know, it's all about well, the coin. Well, that's the deal. That's yeah, exactly. The point of an arcade to right. make money. Right, exactly. You have to be fun enough so that people want to play them, but hard yeah. enough so that they can't beat them or spend hours and hours and hours on a single quarter. You know, you got to have that income because right. just yeah. like in the establishment, the longer you have a non-paying customer occupying space, the less paying customers you will inevitably get. This and is the thing is with customers things, they like to feel like they're buying something, not like they're being sold something. And when you're giving a quality game that makes them want to buy more quarters, they feel like they themselves are buying that experience as opposed to being sold that experience, which I think is very interesting as well, too. That's mm -hmm. true. That's true. Um, the one thing that I didn't know is I did not know that about that system, the first cartridge system. I didn't know... Um, what was the oh, name? Oh, the Fairchild F? Yeah, I didn't know about that one. Um, it had, the one thing I'm surprised they didn't show is how weird that controller is. Hmm. It's pretty weird. How weird is yeah. it? Yeah. It's... The best way to describe it is imagine trying to play an NES with a TV remote. Ew. Yeah. That's, such That's a good how weird it is. What's it called again? What's the system? Fairchild F. You know what I liked about that show, though? The best thing was... The presentation was well executed. They that was really well thought out. Like it the was, intro and the editing and everything was just. It was, but I, I like have that one, eight bit thing. I have one major bone to pick with the audio describer that they used for that particular series. See, that's what it looked like, guys. It was like a razor or something. Because I, I watched it in descriptive audio. Because right, Netflix has uh, the one qualm I have is uh, if you're going to talk about video game topics or personalities, you got to know how to pronounce the names correctly. The uh, really? Narrator, the audio description wasn't pronouncing everything correctly? They screwed up no. Bushnell's name? No, they screwed up Charles Martinet. The most how iconic voice in video game history. Wait. They pronounced it Martinet with a hard T. How do I That's know? Funny. That's something I would have never taken into consideration with uh with shows or video. Yeah, or yeah, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what that was perspective. That was low quality in my book. That that one little thing right there. That's the only knock I have against the audio description version. But still. Gotta get it right. Right. Otherwise, you're gonna have a legion of angry blind gamers beating down your door. You mispronounced it! <laughs> but I think it was, um, I think in a lot of ways it was hitting on the surface of a lot of things. Um, and then, of what I've watched of it, I mean, it didn't, um, it seemed like 
it didn't deep dive and everything, but I no. did fi- I did find it interesting though how they kind of showed the sort of like the the attitude of like what um like how Atari was how it was like this place where people were hooking up they're smoking weed they were like just doing whatever and stuff mm-hmm. was still getting done um and then you know that kind of became sort of like I mean if you look at a lot of the Silicon Valley companies they kind of adopted that sort of mentality in a lot of ways of this free like sort of moving business where it's like people can kind of come and go as they please but they still get stuff done i guess yeah right and i don't know if that's a you know i don't know if it was just atari i think there was other companies involved there but i just it was most of the gaming companies of the era and what ended up happening is public trading came in and shareholder expectations came in and things locked down that's the way it always happens with with every sort of company when you go public yeah yeah it's glory days end when you go public exactly and that's where it's just um yeah because it's like glory days are over once you go public and that's the irritating part to me well it's like how you see how like how uh uh, it seems like MDHR, the studio that did Cuphead, became much different once that game blew up. Like they became a different, mm-hmm. a key, completely different vibe. They had more of an indie vibe before that, but then they kind of not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, that, when something escalates to be that big, it's no yeah. longer just one or two people running it. It becomes a a, yeah. a trust or a group of people running it, and right the, the interests change. Well, I mean, do you think that one question I have for you guys, like when it, when you look at retro games, like do you think that there was more of a motivation for financial gain for them or if it was actually the passion for the creation of the game? It was both. Yeah. For some, it was the financial. For others, it was the passion. Right. That's why you usually saw the financial people in the leadership positions right. making the hard decisions and the passionate creators doing whatever they do best. Yeah, but then it seems like, you know, you see directions that Atari kind of went where, you know, obviously we know how uh, how well E.T. did. <laughs> well, yeah, because did it was a rush job. Right? It was a rush job, yeah, exactly. And they did a good job of explaining that in the series about the fact that, you know... That I think that's why the guy can laugh about it at this point. Where yeah. It's like, where it's like, oh, I made the worst game ever. Like, it's mm-hmm. understandable though because he's like, I he's like, he didn't even understand what was wrong with him because he was just like, there was it was like there was some he had some like uh, unrealistic ability to think that he was somehow going to uh, put together this fantastic thing or something. Within three days. Yeah, and I love you. I love that Spielberg. Like, I just think it was funny how like he wanted it to be like a, he wanted it to be a clone of like something like, like uh, why can't you make it more like Pac Man or something? And I just thought that was funny mm-hmm. thinking of Spielberg saying that because like, just and overall, <laughs> I think that's what actually hurt the game. What Spielberg's input? Yeah. 
I think <laughs> I, I think if he would have went with his original idea instead of having to redraw certain things from scratch. What was the original idea? They don't. I don't think they really scratched into what the original idea would have been. I don't think he really knew. He was kind of pitching it as he was. Yeah. Like as it was happening, it seemed like he was kind of pitching the thing. But then I think what Glitch is trying to say is that it kind of like went kind of went south based on the input of Spielberg because then it kind of like it added more of a mishmash of things going on there. Yeah. And it was like, I think there was just like, it didn't even know what it was. Originally, the idea was supposed to be like his original spitballing brainstorming was more akin to an adventure title. Where you're exploring places and collecting, you know, what you need, like in the movie. It was a bit more exploration focused. And at the end of it, it turned into more of a level-based mismatch of half exploration, half like Pac-Man, and all garbage. And then falling off of stuff repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I have never you guys actually ever played it? I have never actually played it. No. I, I never intend to play it. I can't. I, I refuse to touch that because I think it would just, it wouldn't even be worth like booting up. Really? You wouldn't even touch it? If someone gave you a free copy of it, it's like, hey, play this for 30 minutes. You wouldn't uh, touch it. All right. I guess if I was, if I was given a copy and they were like, you know, here's five bucks, stream this for 30 minutes, maybe. I'd play it just for the sheer, sheer curiosity of it to be like, bad can it be yeah, maybe maybe if they put okay if they set it up and i didn't have to do anything literally to set it up if there was no work then sure why not <laughs> uh, if somebody just handed me a copy i'd be like hey thanks for the free money and then i'd go take it to the local preservation museum and sell them a copy of the worst game ever made and make <laughs> tons of money how much would you make like a dollar actually no <laughs> Surprisingly enough, most of the cartridges for that game were buried in a landfill and then later destroyed. There's a whole documentary about that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I saw that documentary. They dug it all up. Yeah, and they tried to see what worked. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's a very interesting... And not many of them did. Yeah, what's um, what's interesting is it actually, it actually created a scarcity. Mm-hmm. Because there was... A... So... They were trying to get rid of it, like you know how they said, like they were showing, like com they were showing people talking about it, how they were, they were literally trying to get rid of ET, like before Christmas, mm -hmm. because they were like, this is going to ruin us. Mm -hmm. It was oversaturated. They oversaturated the market. Yeah, and some copies are still in the wild, but it's scarcity now, and. Just like there are collectors who will pay thousands of dollars for the best games ever made, there are the same collectors that will do the same for just any rare or hard-to-find game, whether it is good or bad quality. Right. I guess I didn't think about the fact that there's a scarcity of it, because I thought, like, there was an abundance of them. No. There's not. Oh. So I'd touch it just long enough to make... I'd touch it just long enough to make the sale to a collection museum or something. Now, right. what was, what was, uh, what was your first uh, gaming experience? 
First game that you ever got into, you ever played? Either one of you. Would it surprise you if I said I don't remember? <laughs> no, literally, I do not remember. My yeah. first gaming experience actually happened before many of my physical memories actually started taking hold what was as the first, a child. What was the first game as a child that you were obsessed with? Sonic? I do believe... no. Actually, for me, that would be an old DOS game called Jello the Jungle. Really? Yeah. I oh, go okay. way back. Uh, so Sonic for you, Ricky? Maybe. I don't know. I did, but it was funny, like watching that the high score documentary when they went. Yeah. They had one episode dedicated to Nintendo, one dedicated to uh, to Sega. Yeah. And I totally remember all those old ads where they're like, Sega, like shouting that at the end. And I was like, oh, yeah. Then I Sega does like, oh, what Nintendo and Nintendo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wow. I really was a Sega kid growing up because we had a, our first system was a Sega. And I remember Sonic and a few other choice games, Jewel Master. Uh, and I think after that, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't remember if my first gaming experience was with my Game Boy or with the, with the Sega. Or with uh, with something DOS related either too. Yeah, I never had any of the Sega stuff when I was a kid, but I do really like I Sega. Can, I can tell you, though I don't have the greatest of memories of these days. My very first gaming experience was actually an old Atari console. Ah, okay. Which Atari? When I when I mentioned at the beginning when I joined the podcast that my mom got me into gaming young, I wasn't kidding. Yeah, the first memorable system for me was probably the first big one was N64. Although I had played DOS games before that, and I had um, I did play a I did play games on the Commodore 64 when I was a kid. Uh, I remember I the was first always... time I got an N64. What was that, that was John? Go ahead, Ricky. I'll I'll catch afterwards. Oh, I was just saying. I remember the first time we got it in '64 was around Christmas time, and my my mom tells it this way that my uncle worked at a Toys R Us and was able to get was able to get us one, put us on the top of the list, so we had one. I remember. I remember the first time Damn. I played um, um, Mario, and the very first time I played um, Star Fox because Star Fox came with the Rumble Pack, and I was like. This yeah. thing is huge. Put it in the controller, and then I remember sitting in TV and it's like <laughs> controller shaking. And I, those were those were memorable moments for me, but not my first gaming experience moment. Yeah, Star Fox. That's a great game. I remember when I got my sixty four as well, but I was always a Nintendo kid. How was I good? I, I don't understand how I was ever good with that Trident controller. I don't either. Uh, the funny Whoa. part is, is when I got my 64, it was a Christmas gift. I don't remember which side or where in the family it came from or whether it came from one of the outreach programs that we were part of because I was always a poor kid. But um, it came from Santa. It's somewhere. It came and it, it was relatively like it wasn't immediately on N64 launch. It was about 
three, four months, which as you know, Nintendo yeah. 64 didn't do pack-in titles for a very long time. Yeah, that's true. So I got the console and the person or place that I that it came from didn't realize or didn't know that there was no pack-in game. <sighs> So you just had a had a sixty four and just like, well, guess I can just stare at this while it's plugged into the TV. I could turn it on and off. Pretty much. How long did was it before you actually had a cartridge to put in it? A couple of weeks. Oh Ooh. God. Uh, no. And my first N sixty four game, Tetrisphere. Uh, no Mario. No. Star Fox, none of the greats, none of the ones people think of. It was Tetrisphere. But, I mean, maybe that created a lifelong obsession with Tetris. I don't know. Seems like you do like Tetris. It was part of it. I already had an obsession with Tetris before that happened. <laughs> this was like Tetris in a whole new world. I'm like, whoa. You know? <laughs> I flipped over that game, and if I wasn't playing that game, I was still playing all the classics I loved on my Super Nintendo. I remember the first game that I ever played was uh, NBA Hangtime, I think is what it was called. And I, the thing that I remember about that game is I remember it had the 90s Bulls in it, which, I mean, there's never going to be a team like that ever again in basketball. I don't care what anybody says there never will be a team like that again but you could change dennis rodman's hair and i remember that was so <laughs> awesome like i love the fact that you could change his hair color in the game <laughs> and we'd always play as the bulls like we'd always play as the bulls and i just remember having so much fun with that game um i remember that we literally had set it up on the kitchen table like because i guess my dad was too lazy to actually set it up somewhere else at the time so we just literally had it out in the kitchen and we were just playing it like that night and I just remember it just being this awesome I don't know, I love that game. Uh if we're talking about games that we loved and uh I don't know if you guys were um Sega guys at all ever, but did you guys ever play Mutant League football on Sega? No. God. I didn't really play any sports games. The closest I, I got but... to a sports game was Mario Kart. But Mute, the Mutant League football was the only sports one I ever played. But you can choose, like, you're either, like, zombies, skeletons or stuff, and you play against each other. <laughs> and, like, there are, like, holes in the field that you could, like, fall into. Or you could, like, tackle the coach and kill him. Or, like, if you tackle someone too hard, their bo bodies just explode into bones and stuff. <laughs> so you would, like, constantly be losing players. And me, like, I didn't understand a single goddamn thing about football, but me and my brother would always play mutant league football and just try and just constantly kill each other or kill the ref or try and force each other to fall into like an explosion pit or something. Oh, uh, oh speaking of that, I remember one time my buddy, I was getting pissed off at Madden and then he brought out blitz the league to make me feel better. <laughs> I that game. What's the league is the only way I will ever play because football. Because you can you can beat and... you can beat people with with like things and you can like totally just decimate the field. Like 
It's like what, Blitz the League is my perfect example of what would happen if <laughs> Mortal Kombat had a twisted stepchild with the NFL. It's it's a great game though. Blitz the League is, it is. Like the best. Like, if like you, tackling yeah. somebody so hard that you actually get the visual on-screen representation, like X-ray vision, of the bone breaking. Yeah, so it's kind of like on the same. I feel like those games probably are on the same sort of like idea. I loved it. It was the only way I would ever play football. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. Sports games to me kind of just, I don't know. They're a little bit lackluster. They're not as exciting to me anymore because it's just like an updated roster, you know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm just not in love with them like I used to be. I used to like them a lot more, but I don't know. I just kind of want a different flavor, you know. Yeah, that's the way I feel about the WWE wrestling games now. They kind of overdone it. Yeah. Um, glory days for me was SmackDown Two. The sixty-four. The sixty-four. Uh, I played a lot of wrestling games on the sixty-four, and that oh, was, I did too. That that Rides to me. War. Yeah, that to me was when it was like when they were, you know, when wrestling was like the games were were awesome for me. Now I just yeah. feel like it's kind of like eh, I'm good. Yeah. You know what I liked about that documentary, though, is it showed the tenacity of people who wanted to actually get something done, would get something done. Like in the last couple episodes, when they were talking about the guy who created Doom, how much he like hyped that up before even like having the idea of what to do with it. Carmack. Mm hmm. He was like hyping it up like crazy and then talking about all uh, all the PvP you'd be able to do before they even coded everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like uh, my favorite quote from him is that uh, storylines uh, in video games is like uh, a storyline in a por- in porno or something like that. I forget the exact line. I gotta remember what it was that Garmax said, but it was hilarious. Like just the way he put it. Um, what was it John? what's really I funny? Bond experiences with with Doom because, um. At the time, me and my friend, who is no longer with us anymore, um, I would go over to his house, and his dad had two computers in the same room. So I I remember going over to his house in like third and fourth grade. It was just, so that was like ninety eight, ninety seven or something yeah. like that. And we just play Quake and Doom on those two computers like all night long, and that was like my first experience with playing like computer games, and I was just fucking enthralled. Oh, here, here's the quote. Story in a game is like a story in a porno movie. It's expected to be there, but it's not It's not that important. That's <laughs> what Carmack said. My, the funny thing is, right? The funny thing is, and th- this is something that confuses me now after having watched that and after realizing, yeah. you know, seeing what happened. Like, he, Carmack made a lot of promises with Doom and what he was talking about, and not everything that he promised made it into the game, yet it was solid, right? Right. Well, look at what happened with Sean Murray and No Man's Sky a few decades later. All these promises, a lot of stuff did make it into the game, but not everything, and people hated it, yet it was still a solid game, like... 
How yeah. is this double standard? Two people pull the same thing. One dude gets away yeah. with it. One dude doesn't. Yeah. One more was more. One game was more fun than the other. But I think also, also there was a series of other games that came out. I think as a result of Doom, you know, because of what, like you know, Wolfenstein and stuff. And I feel yeah. like that that kind of skyrocketed. Skyrocketed the popularity. I think. I think it had a. Wolfenstein was before Doom. It was. It was. Okay, it was. Okay, so I would say Wolfenstein was his first game, and then they used that as the basis for Doom. Right. So that's what I meant to say. Docu series. You would have known that, Bill. No, I actually wasn't. I was never for sure on that. Actually, with Doom, I thought Doom was always before because I always thought, oh, I was the guy that was playing the one that was after. I was playing Wolfenstein. I never realized that. I thought that Wolfenstein was actually, you know. Would what? you like to know what the next evolution for that particular style of game turned into, and it's often forgotten? Sure. Yes. A little-known series called Descent. Hmm. This series sees you flying a small manned aircraft through the same types of environments, like caves and bases and mm. tunnels and, and everything like that. But it's what it was one of the first games to give you a full six degrees of movement, like up, down, left, right, rotationals, forward, back, turning, everything. So what what is that that game's called Descent, you said? Descent. There was a trilogy. One and two are the most the, like the old school ones. Then they released 3 and an expansion for 3 and then there was Free Space and Free Space 2. The series hasn't come back from since Free Space 2, which many fans say was the best. Hmm. Neat. But I don't oh, know because oh, I've never played cool. anything after the third. This looks pretty cool actually. You're like flying around and shooting shit. Mhm. There's like doorways and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of the cool things I learned from that documentary too is uh I didn't know that Kirby was named after one of their lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> what a great way to be immortalized. One uh, one thing that I'm surprised they didn't really talk too too much about is um the whole fiasco with Donkey yeah. Kong. Donkey Kong. Which fiasco? Like, I know they covered the uh, King Kong intellectual property stuff where they got sued over Kong in the name. And the uh -huh. judge was like, no, not not enough similarities. A monkey named Kong. It's not King Kong. You've got King Kong uh, copywritten. You can't copyright every Kong. So now we have Donkey Kong. Right. DK Donkey Kong. Uh, but <laughs> originally... The original Donkey Kong was actually supposed to be Popeye. Popeye? Themed. Yes, Popeye the Sailor Man themed. That Popeye. Huh. What the Rescuing hell? olive oil from Bluto and all that mess, but they couldn't get the rights for it. So they yeah. kept the exact same idea and threw in Mario, who at the time was a carpenter, in the original storyline, <laughs> rescuing his girlfriend, Paula. Huh. 
from a giant ape on top of a construction site. He and then he became a plumber. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at that, folks. Made like I said, there's some stuff they didn't <laughs> cover. I mean, I think this documentary really was meant to just scratch the surface of each kind of like yeah. episode at hand to kind of draw yeah. you in to be able to be like, oh, I wonder what more I can learn about this subject. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. There was a book um, that I read a while back that I'm trying to remember what the name of it was. It was really good. It really explained a lot of stuff, like even further. Um, and uh, there's tidbits about Mario, though. Those are covered on Did You Know Gaming YouTube channel. So that's a great resource for gaming history and trivia. Um, gaming historian's also really good. He does really good. Yes, work. gaming historian's awesome. Yeah, the ultimate history of video games. I would definitely suggest that book. That book is excellent. Um, it is. It explains so much about it. There's also another one that I read that was really good was Console Wars, which uh, depicts the battle between Sega and Nintendo. Yup, that's which, another good one. Which is a really interesting story. Um, and then Masters of Doom. Masters of Doom. I need. I. St I think I have that on my. My um. My reading the list. Read list. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's another good one. Do you do a lot of reading, guys? Like, do you like to read? Hate reading. <laughs> really? That's what Audible's for. Yeah, that's why I use audiobooks. But in my class, my physics class. This is the first time I'm actually reading the textbook because I find it so fucking interesting. But audiobooks count. When I say reading, I'm talking about if you listen to audiobooks as well. Because I count that right. as, as because you are retaining information. You're, you're listening to it, but you're retaining it in a similar way, though. Because... I will say that I've had an active Audible membership for close to five years now. Yeah. And it's not leaving my side anytime soon. Yeah, see I go through times where I listen to a lot of audiobooks and then times where I don't. Uh the Bible has sixty six books, yeah. I mean that's um uh, you know. That's true. <laughs> the Bible has sixty six books. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds right. What do you mean? Well, it sounds right. I think I've heard that. Or I think someone told me that before. Or I heard that somewhere. I read that somewhere. Or something. I knew I don't, that. I don't get it, though. The Bible has six... So the Bible has 66 books that totals up to be the Bible? Or the Bible, like... Meaning each... each. Or the uh, Bible has 66 sequels. I guess, if you want to put that way. I think he was just making the... I think it, the books are by the name like you know each yeah. one, each one of those names like so james yeah. you know or revelations all of those are the, the thing about it books. Is, though, is i don't consider them books i consider them chapters because it's chapters of one large book yeah i would like, say if you want to consider them books then you're looking at like 
66 different piles of paper from like children's yeah. storybook size to pamphlet at the amusement park size. Right. I would say there I would say the more accurate description I would say for that would be their chapters. Yeah. But like, I, they may I be called what, books, but they are straight chapters. Yeah, I know what he meant though. I know what you mean. Uh but yeah, no, I um I go from times of listening to books to reading books. Um, it just depends. Like comics I read, obviously, but then there's stuff I like to listen to as well. Um, right. I'm trying to think of the last thing that I listened to. It's been a, it's been a little bit. I think it was like an Ayn Rand thing or something. I think. Right now I'm listening to How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's actually a pretty good book. It's fucking incredible. I love it. So I'm I'm doing mar I'm I'm doing research on marketing right now because I'm helping a friend out for some marketing stuff, and so I was looking into what books can I learn, can I read to learn more about marketing and how to win friends and influence people. Is it's like it's one of those books where like it gives you a bunch of information that you didn't know you already knew, and it's kind of like just brings it to the light. Where you're like, huh, it is that way. That makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of that, I need to probably should listen to that because. I need to get better at marketing. Yeah, it's fucking. It's I highly. I'm. I've got about an hour left of it, and I highly recommend it. It's definitely a good book of just not just. It's the title itself sounds very manipulative, but it's not. It's just more of like how to not be. I like the way I describe it, it's like how to not be a dick. But if you're into self improvement books, I have one that's going to sound a bit awkward. But it's actually good. Okay. Hit me with it. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yep, that one's good too. Love it. I love that book. That's, me too. That's one of the books that is the way I live is here. Is it helpful? Oh, it's so, it's so helpful. I loved it. His uh, his other book, um, The Subtle Art, he, he, had a, he, he came out with another book, which wasn't as good. I couldn't really finish it, but it was more along the same thing, but like, just a little I wish more. I knew the name of it. I'd want to listen to it anyway. Uh, hold on. Let me let me pull it up. Let me. I have my Audible. I can pull up my Audible right here right now. Oh, everything is fucked. That's what it's called. <laughs> everything is fucked. <laughs> yeah, a book about hope, and it's <laughs> it's all right. It's just it just doesn't have that same like punch as like the subtle art of not giving a fuck did. Yeah. But yeah, I I would definitely recommend reading the subtle art of not giving a fuck because it's definitely like, wow, this really is should be how I think. Mm-hmm. It, and it the main premise of it, the main premise of it is the more focused you are on yourself and your own self improvement, the less worried you will inevitably be about what other people think of you. Just don't care. Yeah. You do you. Exactly. Yeah. It's how to how to fight your own insecurities, basically. Yep. Yeah. Sounds pretty pretty awesome. Not gonna lie, as a streamer, I do apply some of those practices whenever I start having that self-doubt of why am I streaming for zero people today? Yeah. Well I time like, I'm gonna yeah. do it anyway because I have fun. Yeah, I just be like, who gives a fuck? That's why I mean to me to me I'm kinda like because I wanna fucking play this game. 
Yeah, like that's it. Fuck because it. I want to play this game and I have an internet connection, so why not let people watch me do it? Yeah, and if they're not there, then fuck them. I'm doing it anyways. Exactly. <laughs> I ain't playing it for them. I'm playing it for me. They just are allowed to watch. Come along for the ride. Right. I right. mean, it would be. I would be lying if I said I don't enjoy when there's interaction, but I'm not going to beat myself up Same. when there's not. Because exactly, because I love of, the interaction. You take the other part of it. You know, when when one part's not there, just enjoy the other part of it. Precisely, and, and when that's both what, are awesome. That's what this book is sort of talking about. You know how okay. how to get through that, how to deal with moments of self doubt. It's a really good book, even though it doesn't sound like it, or it doesn't you know sounds like it might give you wrong or bad advice. No, it doesn't. It's awesome. Amazing book. Yeah. Read it if I you haven't. Totally agree. So, How to Win Friends and Influence People in the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Two fantastic books that it's on the Wheel of Life Problems recommendation list. Well, yes. so that last one that you brought up, Winning Friends, and what was it? How to Win Friends and Influence People by Daniel Craig, I think. That's uh, That is a book about marketing or what? Dale Carnegie, that's who does it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's basically, I mean, a lot of the principles he he uh, he draws back to business and stuff, but a lot of okay. it is just like how to interact with people and to you know to make things go as smooth as possible. You know, not to to not like not to just automatically shun an experience or, I mean, but it, but it uh, it all it all comes back to business to a business standpoint of like, if you treat people this way, you will succeed in these certain aspects and such and such. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's, it is, it does have some roots in marketing, which is why I really enjoy it. Yeah. Which I definitely, definitely need to become better at. Definitely guarantee, uh, like, recommended almost required reading for anyone who wants to get into business of any kind right rich dad poor dad that's also a pretty good book that i've read before which also ta just talks about you know expanding your financial intelligence when it comes to trying to make money in any aspect yeah i can actually tell you what the last book i read was Hit me with it. Looks like you have your Audible open. Ruthless, The Completionist Chronicles, Book 5. I've been loving that series. Ruthless, is that... What genre is that? It is uh, what some would consider in some ways a literary RPG genre. Hmm. Hmm. Neat. I can't get into books like that, but still neat. Yeah, I've just been reading a shitload of comics. <laughs> it's a really good story. Neat. All right, what do you think? On that note, we should start wrapping things up before we start just... Yeah. Rambling incoherently into... Nothingness. Senseless topics, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any last, any finishing arguments? Last... Last things to get off your chest? Anything you want to squeeze off your nipples? Can't think of anything. I don't know about anything with the nipple play, but you know. 
<laughs> Nipple play is always accepted at any time of the day. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> wow. No comments. I plead the fifth. <laughs> He's just like, All no. right, then, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of We Life Problems. You can subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter at Problems Wheel. You can follow me on social media. I'm at The Rickles. You can follow Bill. He's at Wheelchair Gamer. And you can follow John at Glitch Vision. Thanks again, and remember to keep it wheel. And don't lose sight of the future. See y'all.